morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Raising Bulls, brought to you by the beautiful game network at BGN.FM and Roughneck Scarves. We are the only podcast dedicated to New York Red Bulls 2 of USL. Tonight, we're going to be recapping another home win. You say what? Another win at home? Who would have thought it? Uh, Red Bulls are really rocking and rolling. We'll get into that later. Uh, we've got our ex-New York Red Bull 2 report with a whole bunch of new... Uh, team names for me to mispronounce and get very frustrated about uh we have an excellent interview with john wolinek uh, that i think you guys will all really really enjoy uh we're going to preview the match against louisville city tomorrow night or today if you're listening to this on friday uh and some news around the usl joining me tonight as always the man the myth the legend the uh not troll <laughs> other host <laughs> that isn't bill it's joe steen hello joe how are you doing joe i'm doing just fine how are you happy birthday joe steen Thank yesterday you. was joe steen's birthday i'm a terrible co-host uh friend uh editor i did not wish you happy birthday i don't think yesterday <laughs> yesterday was really busy for me. <laughs> that's okay that's okay uh it was a good birthday i mean just spent the day with the family um not really too much interesting. I mean, you know, I'm going out with my extended family this weekend, but I mean, you know, good day, but I mean, I'm 25 now, so I kind of feel old, but I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know that's not old, but you know, whatever. I, you can't see it, uh, but I am absolutely uh, holding just one finger up. I will leave it to your imagination which finger, talking about how you are old at 25. <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't know, I feel it. I'm You're just barely older than MLS. Do you realize that? Yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah that doesn't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> it really doesn't. Uh, if what I couldn't give to be 25 again. <laughs> uh, my, my parents, my parents put it to me as a uh, quarter of a century. And I just said, are you like, are you kidding me? That's just what they said to me the entire day. I think they just tried to get a rise out of me. <laughs> well, uh, if you were to try to, to play for New York Red Bulls 2, I believe you'd be rejected for being too old. Uh, oh. <laughs> which is oh. our segue into talking about the match against Penn FC. Uh, they look like they were really going to completely boss this game in the first half. Penn FC makes some good adjustments in the second half. Uh, claws back in, but ultimately the Red Bulls do win here. Um, I want to mostly focus on some player performances, starting with Tom Barlow. Uh, he got a second start in a row. And uh, I think that we're seeing him uh, perform at a higher level than what we had seen earlier. Um, I, I think that he might be um, ready to take the reins as the starting striker should Brian White spend a, a good amount of time with the first team. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he's had some, I mean, more time, obviously, than he had previously because Brian's done such a good job this year, and congrats to him on the on the call-up to the first team. Um, but, yeah, he's gotten more time recently. I, I've seen more of, we've seen more of what he can do as far as, he's not really the same player as Brian. He's, he's kind of a guy that, um, you know, I think he's quicker than Brian. I think he's, um, I think Brian's got a little bit better touch than him, but I think, you know, Barlow's touch will come. But I mean, he scores a nice goal, good run to good run um, into the box, and able to put that away. He did have a chance and another chance in the game late that he could have put away. But I mean, you know, uh, as we'll get into, uh, you know, he did have some good performances, which led to him getting some starts. Uh, one of them was happens to be the team they're playing tomorrow night in Louisville. So uh, I think it's good for him. And it, again, if if uh, Brian ends up spending most of his time with the first team, uh, this could be a big chance for him. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think you really hit the nail on the head when you were talking about uh, his touch. That's the biggest area, I think, of improvement for him to focus on. Because uh, he, he's got, um, even though he's a big guy, he's got a ton of speed. And he can really give a backline fits. Um, but when he gets in those positions, you know, he's got he's to gotta become a little bit of a better uh, in-the-box striker. Which is, you know, taking one, two touches. The, the Brandon Allen special. Uh, take a couple of touches in the box and and look for a shot. Um, right now, he's still in a little bit of a mold of what you see with a lot of younger guys, especially at the striker position, where speed has been you know the ultimate factor for them uh, for their early success, which is not uh, to take anything away from either uh, Brian or, or Tom. Um, but you know, at that next level, you have defenders who are a little bit more savvy. 
back lines that play a little bit deeper and look to contain. So I think he just needs to work through that a little bit. But uh, definitely some good stuff, and especially uh, the run that led to to his goal in this match. Uh, the other guy who I think you know we we probably could talk about him every single week and what a great job he's done for this team and uh, how much he's grown uh, in year two, Andrew Tenari. Another goal for him, uh, constantly dangerous in this match. I think when uh, things started to kind of turn against the Red Bulls, he was a big part uh, of getting it, um, getting the game back in hand a little bit uh, towards the end of the match when uh, Penn FC was really trying to, to, to push the Red Bulls for, for that equalizer. And, I, you know, I, it's hard to... We talked about it uh, in the past. It's hard to think about uh, him m- making that jump to the first team, but I mean, he's he's putting together a really impressive resume to at least make a case for that. Uh, I, I don't know. I think he does. I think he belongs up there uh, at the end of this second year. But uh, I, I want to know what you think. I definitely think he does. I mean, in that game against Pan FC, his distribution wasn't like as good as it should have been. I think on the year he's completing like seventy percent of his passes, but he only completed about I think fifty six in that game. But he does a lot of the dirty work, which I mean, I you really love to see. I mean, he always counter presses well, he presses well, he always jumps in at tackles, he's always fighting for loose balls. I really like that he's like he seem he doesn't really seem to have an off switch at times when he plays, mm-hmm. and the fact that you know again he, he you know. He quietly has six goals on the year. I mean, you really don't look at it like I mean, he don't he scored two in the opener, but quietly he has six, and quietly he can find himself in double digits, which is something we really didn't think was possible because we never really saw his goal scoring um, capabilities last year. Right. But as far as a you know, I, I really think he's a I don't want to say complete player, but he's close as close to it as it comes for this team. I mean, he's a big part of their success this year, especially at home. Um, he really he when he gets the ball he he can get it out wide to either Stroud or Mondo whoever's or Mines or whoever's playing out there, and you know he seems to have really whenever um, there's a hold up with the strikers trying to hold up the ball or or um, he's usually in, in, very integral in the attacks of this team and I, th- he, I think he's second in USL still and. Yep. Um, and key passes. So, I mean, that's just, it, it just speaks for itself what he's done for this team this year. Yeah. I think he's on 72 chances created this year. That's remarkable from a guy that we, we didn't see as a number 10 uh, heading into that right. first match. Yeah. So uh, yeah, he's done very well. And I also just think, you know, uh, at this level at USL, you can grow so much, but there's a point where uh, this is not necessarily the challenge that it should be to a player that needs to continue to develop. And, you know, like I said, his resume certainly makes it seem like he, he should be with the first team next year. Yeah, it's it's just a competitive position. That's just the biggest thing. Yeah, That's exactly. really the biggest thing that's just standing in his way. Yeah, the question is, you know, what happens with guys like Mark Schakowsky, uh, Tyler Adams, and uh, Vincent Bezicourt as he's working his way back from injury? Uh, the other thing I want to discuss and touch on for this match, uh, the back line. Uh, Kevin Pollitz, I think, had a fantastic night. Uh, conversely, Hassan and Dom did not. <laughs> and it, it's that, you know, you've already brought this term up, but I'm going to use it again, the Jekyll and Hyde uh, nature of some of the players on this team where, you know, one week we're talking about, you know, how uh, solid they look and, and how they, they seem to be growing and, and and figuring things out a little bit more. Uh, and then you have a game like this where you see a lot of those old tendencies pop up. Uh, I... I as far as Hassan's uh, development and what he was doing last year versus what is he, what he's done this year, um, I'm confident to say that he is still growing and progressing, but I'm just not sure if it's uh, at the level that I think a lot of people want to see from him. The biggest thing with him last year was um, he seemed it was his positioning, and that seems to be the same the same thing this year. Um, I he you know he seen you know last year he just seemed to you know try and step into tackles way too early up the field and you get caught and you know he couldn't catch some of the guys this year he's kind of backed off on that which is uh, something I've really been impressed with but other times it seems like he seems to wander out of position and try and you know press too much to win the ball at times and then he gets caught either on the outside which leaves you know Pollitz or whoever's playing back there with him isolated against you know two attackers or three attackers and. That type of thing, you know, really, it, it's not good. 
Um, I again, it's just inconsistencies with him. I mean, one game he looks really good, like the uh, Bethlehem game. He had a fantastic game, and then this game, it's you know he gets caught out of position, and it ends up leading to the goal because you know the when the goal was scored, Laurel made a great save on the header, but that was his guy that he allowed to get the header. Yep, yep. Um, as for Pollitts, uh, as I think that was his best game as far as uh, RB two. Uh, I thought he was fantastic. I thought he, his positioning was great. He made a lot of good tackles. Uh, what I really impre- am impressed with him um, is his ability to, when he gets the ball, he immediately plays it forward. He doesn't go to, he doesn't play it sideways. He immediately looks for the pass to try and split the defenders to get it to the midfielders, which I really, really impressed with. Yeah, that's a super undervalued trait, I think, for center backs is the ability to see that forward pass and to to be. Um, uh, clinical in terms of making that pass because we've seen uh, guys, certain guys on the first team uh, who shouldn't play again this year, hopefully, uh, <laughs> uh, just play balls forward sort of um, as a leap of faith, even at times where, you know, there's two or three guys in front of them, they still try to make that pass. So it's nice to see from Kevin that um, he's he's reading the game well enough to not make those kinds of mistakes. Uh, all right, let's talk man of the match. Who you got? Uh, Kevin Pollitz. Okay, that's uh, very, very fair. Stated, great game. All- <laughs> I, I, I'm going to give it to, to to Tanari. Not only does he have that goal, but uh, he really set up quite a bit on the night. Uh, was a little bit maybe unlucky not to pick up an assist, and it really held Penn FC in check where he could uh, as things were kind of deteriorating a little bit. Okay. Oh, sorry. I go ahead. Want to touch on one thing, yeah. um, Evan Loro, uh, another great game from oh, him. Right. So I'm I'm glad to see him getting back to where he was at the beginning of the season. He did have a couple, you know, I think one bad game. Uh, I think I think it was the game against Richmond where he got sent off. But um, two back to back really good games from him. Made a lot of good saves in this game. Yeah, and you know, I, I almost feel bad because we really don't talk about Evan too much, but he's he's been really, really good this year. And all of the things that we worried about last year with him, especially you remember back to that Charlotte game where he was spilling the ball in front of him. Yes, that happened in this match, but I think <laughs> the circumstances warranted um, some forgiveness in terms of him having to make a huge save, a great reaction save on a header uh, that unfortunately he just couldn't. Uh, plan out where he was going to push that ball and it, it ended up falling to the attack. So yeah, Evan definitely deserves some plaudits and may, we definitely do not talk about him enough because there's so many other things on this team that <laughs> no, we're focusing I mean, on. He usually doesn't get it, especially at home, he doesn't get any work. I mean, they, they're up so much that by the time, you know, he, he gets, you know, a little bit of work and they're, they're so far ahead that we're just like, ah, you know, they only let him one go on. Fair. Um, okay, let's do this ex-New York Red Bull 2 report. I will be embarrassing myself by the end of this, I promise. Uh, Rafa Diaz, not in the 18 uh, for uh, SAC Republic's one nothing win over Fresno. Uh, Rafa Diaz does not seem to be getting any time there. I wonder if they'll be moving on from him. We'll see. Uh, Noah Powder, Orange County SC, not in the 18 for their 2-2 draw with Portland Timbers 2. And uh, he was on the bench but did not play for uh, again, <laughs> sorry, against Swope Park Rangers where uh, OCSC won 2-1. He's another guy that, that seems to be having some trouble to get back in the lineup. Not sure if it's an injury thing or not. Uh, Dan Metzger, we don't have to cover. Everyone's familiar. Uh, he played in that match. They lost 2-1. Uh, Junior Flemings and Tampa Bay, they played two matches this week. He and Stefano both started and played 90 minutes in a 2-0 loss to Ottawa. Uh, And then Junior played 90 minutes in the 0-0 draw with Charleston, and uh, Stefano only played 61 minutes in that match. Brandon Allen uh, and Nashville, uh, he did not play in their 1-1 draw with FC Cincinnati. Nashville, a little unlucky not to get a result there, I have to say. They, they look like they, they should have beaten FCC, who now should be unbeatable unbeat, with Fernando Eddy <laughs> and all the other people they're bringing. Uh, Corey Herzog, he started on the bench, came in, played 13 minutes in a 2 nothing win for St. Louis over uh, Seattle Sounders 2. Kyle Rainish, uh, as mentioned before, the Sacramento Republic loss, one nothing for uh, Fresno FC. He started and played 90 minutes in that match. Zach Carroll did not play in a 2-1 loss for Reno 1868 to Real Monarchs SLC. Speedy Williams started and played 90 minutes for Louisville City in their 2-2 draw with Indy. 
Uh, Mike DeFonta with Phoenix Rising. He started and played 90 minutes in a 4-1 win over the Portland Timbers, too. Timbers, too, <laughs> really have, uh, I guess, given up on the season <laughs> because they were so good early on, and now uh, results are definitely not going their way. Funny enough, they're still in a playoff spot. Though. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> the, the bad teams in the West are very, very bad. Uh, Carl, a log jam from like 10 to 10 to 15. Of like, yeah, without, right. a <laughs> without a doubt. Without a doubt. We'll talk about Tulsa later. <laughs> uh, Carl, we met uh, Indy 11. He started and played 74 minutes uh, in a 1-1 draw with uh, Louisville City. Wait, no, that's not right. Who did I just say they played before? I got too many of these things. Oh, no, they it was Louisville Indian. City. I was right. Yeah, was what's yep, what's yep, the matter right. with me? Uh, he played 74 minutes, got a yellow card in that match. Scott Thompson, uh, Richmond Kickers, did not play in their 3 nothing loss to Pittsburgh, but he did start and play 90 minutes in their 3 nothing loss to Bethlehem Steel. Do not go to Pennsylvania if you are Richmond Kickers, apparently. <laughs> Six goals against the uh, two of the three Pennsylvania Don't come teams. to the Northeast if you're the Richmond Kickers. Remember, they came to Red Bull. <laughs> they came to Montclair, too, and the... Didn't that, go too well for them either. That's very, very true. Uh, okay, so now we're overseas. Zico Lewis, FH Hafnarf Yardar. He was not in the 18 for either match, uh, either uh, Hapoel Haifa or Nat Spurnerflag Akrurerer. <laughs> <laughs> Nat Spurnerflag Akrurerer. That's what I should have said. I'm That's a little bit better. Even, I'm, I'm not even going to try and pronounce it, so you're, you're, you're on your own. <laughs> oh, it's not good. This gets worse. David uh, Abador and FC Haka, uh, he was not in their 18 for their 2-2 draw with Yeyi Koli Vaskula. <laughs> that right. one I got right. You I did think. get that run right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tim Schmoll and Dover Athletic FC. Tim Schmoll got to play in a match. I haven't said that in so long. Uh, oh, I should also say the countries for some of these. Oh, no, I haven't gotten anybody new yet, but uh, he's in the conference premiere in England. Uh, he started and played 90 minutes in a one nothing loss to Wrexham, picked up a yellow card, and then he, uh, a couple days later they played Bromley. He was not in the 18 for that, and it was a 2-2 draw. This is where things get a little tough. Marius Obakop uh, is with a new team. He's in the Moldovan National Division. Uh, it's the first division in Moldova. He plays for Zimbruk. Kisi now, Zimbru Kisi now. Yep, yep. Uh, and he started and played sixty nine minutes in a one one draw with Mil Sami. So, uh, congrats, Marius. I'm glad you're getting some games. Aaron Brasilovich also with a new team. Uh, they have not played yet, but it's New Shopping's BS. <laughs> <laughs> It's it's a Swedish team. Uh, it's like I think the Swedish fourth division. It's not. It's, oh, it's he's kind of fallen pretty far in terms of. Yeah. Let me let me fact check that in terms of where he is, but hopefully that means he's going to get some time there uh, because he's a really talented player and, and it kind of stinks that he's not in a better place. Oh no, I'm sorry. They're first division in Sweden. I take it all back. Oh yeah, no, they, yeah they are. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Now that I look at it, they are. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure where I was getting that fourth division from. Who knows? Um, does the Swedish have, does the Swedish league have a fourth division? Who knows? <laughs> I, I I don't I don't. <sighs> only, I've only heard of the first and second. So yeah. And Anatoly Abang, who was with Astra Juju, he's back home. He's back with the first team. I have no idea what they have in store for him. He maybe we're going to see him at USL level. Uh, maybe this is just him working out until his contract expires. Uh, it remains to be seen. But they needed striker depth uh, at Red Bull One, and they got uh, Brian White and Anatoly Abong. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, okay, that's our ex New York Red Bull Two report. I guess I didn't do too bad. New shopping's bees is a very difficult one. <laughs> Zimbru Kisi now. Yeah. Ugh, this is terrible. Okay. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to be speaking to John Wallenek, the head coach of the New York Red Bulls 2. This is his fourth time on the show, guys. The first time we've ever had a guest who has appeared four times on the show. Uh, and it's John Wallenek. So stick around. <laughs>
And we're back. We are joined now by the head coach of the New York Red Bulls 2. This is his fourth appearance on the show. No other guest has more than two appearances. So <laughs> thank you, John, for joining us yet again. Yeah, thanks for the distinct honor. <laughs> You're absolutely welcome. Uh, let's talk about the season a little bit uh, to start. Earlier today, uh, you know, some quotes from practice. You are talking about how uh, the main focus right now is growth, and you want to see growth around the team. But uh, how do you feel up until this point that things have progressed, and, and how are the players uh, sort of adjusting, especially the young guys, to this new pro life? Yeah, I think very well. I think we have a good group. Um, you know, we got a bunch of good guys that work really hard. Um, you know, we have uh, they get along well. They, you know, they listen. Uh, they they uh, they're pretty bought into to what we're what we're doing, and uh, I think a lot of that shows on the field. So uh, we certainly made a lot of steps, and you know, certain guys have come further than others. But uh, in general, I'd, I'd argue that. Uh, you know, everybody in their own way has, has uh, made improvements and uh, certainly made the group uh, better and better. And uh, two of those guys I want to touch on uh, for just a bit. First one being uh, Jer- uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, Stroud. Uh, he, I, I don't know if a, a lot of people coming into the season thought that he would be seeing regular game minutes or producing like he has, um, but he, he seems to really seamlessly made that transition. Uh from your standpoint, uh, what what were your impressions when you first got to the club? Obviously, you know you'd seen him at the U twenty three level. Yeah, Jared, interesting. Um, you know, I got to know him with our PDL. I, I can't quite um, remember how many years he played, but I know he played a couple of years, and uh, you know, got to see him in a couple of games and a couple of trainings, and um, you know, I, I knew he played for for PDA and. Uh, you know, um, he's a guy that uh, probably wasn't on my radar early on, but, you know, started to, you know, the more you got to know him, the more you saw, you know, the work grade, and, uh, you know, you started to realize he's an intelligent player, and, um, you know, he's pretty deceptive. Like, you don't look at him at first and say, oh, this guy's going to beat people 1v1, but then you start to realize he's hard to deal with. And, um, you know, I, I probably would echo, you know, I'm not sure if I would have, um, bet that he would be a big contributor to this team, you know, from the beginning of the season. But I knew he had certain tools, and uh, you know, certainly had a chance to uh, um, advance in our system and, and stuff like that. So uh, I think he's exceeded my expectations, but but my expectations were weren't that low. They were, uh, <laughs> you know, reasonable. So for for me to say that means that he's doing really well, and uh, I knew he'd be a uh, you know, early on we kind of recognized that he could he could put plays together and, and set up goals, um, make final passes and stuff. And now you're starting to see him, I think, grow in confidence and uh, score some goals too. So uh, when he's doing both of those, you're, you're looking at him in a little bit different light. So um, you know, he's done done really well, and uh, you know, still has some things to work on. But uh, I'm, I'm really proud of the, the progress he's made. And I th- one of the words you just used to describe him is hard to deal with. And I think a lot of the players that fit in so well in the Red Bull system are players that you would describe in that way, where they, they just have that pesky work rate where <laughs> they are all yeah. over you the second you get the ball and uh, kind of make life hard for their, their opponent. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take – it's not a giant leap to go from, all right, we're going to play with uh, high energy and, and high press and – you know, you have to be hard to, you know, the next step is almost, okay, you're going to be hard to deal with. So, um, you know, we kind of get that, and, you know, we kind of look for that um, in players, and, uh, you know, of course there's more to it, and you, know, you need to understand tactics and have good, you know, good feet and be able to put plays together quickly and these type of things. But, uh, you know, he certainly you know, ticks the boxes on the uh, hard-to-deal-with category, and, uh, you know, he's coming along in a lot of the others as well. And the other guy I wanted to talk about, uh, Brian White, it was announced last week. He's got a first-team contract now. Um, is he ready for MLS? Is this kind of uh, a situation where, you know, the depth, obviously, at striker with the first team is maybe a little bit light, uh, and they, they just need someone just in case? Or, or do, you, do you see him getting some real minutes up there? 
Yeah, that obviously, um, you know, there's a bit of a need. Uh, so that always helps. Um, but Brian's a guy we've been talking about uh, quite a bit. Uh, you know, another guy that we had at the PDL level and did a couple years there and showed improvement and showed an ability to play in the system. Um, you know, he's another guy that you kind of, the more you watch, probably Brian kind of jumps off the, the page a little bit more than Jared, but you know, as you watch him, you start to realize, oh, he can do that too. So um, he's got a good package, uh, you know, as far as his talents go and stuff. And, uh, you know, when we saw him in the combine, um, he didn't have a great combine. And, you know, I think his stock fell a little bit. And obviously, I don't know if he does really well in the combine, maybe he ends up someplace else. But we were certainly very happy to get him in the first round and I know it was a little frustrating for him not to make the first team um, but you know we've, always, we've over the last few years have kind of tilted towards the, the draft picks uh, doing a year at USL so uh, he kind of just fit into that category and um, you know I think he just needed a little bit of time to get used to the club and the system and the level of play and you know, he's come a long way pretty quickly. I mean, it didn't take long in the season for him to start having success. So, um, you know, if you asked me in the beginning, I, I definitely would have said he has the talent, but he probably needs some time. Um, and then, you know, a month in, uh, that was about the time that he needed. Uh, you know, he he's, connects a lot more than you think. Um, he's a little bit more athletic than you think. Um, you know, his finishing can continue to get Obviously, he scored a bunch of goals already for us, and, and in different ways. So, uh, as far as getting time with the first team, that's always tough. Uh, Brad's a big presence, and, a, and a who? Tough one. I've never heard of that guy yeah. before. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, this guy that we got, you know, uh, scores some goals. But uh, you know, it's always tough to take Brad off the field. So that's that part's tricky. And I think the biggest thing with Brian, if he wants time, will be. Um, you know, can you fit with Brad? Can we play both of them? So that would be part of it. And then the other part, uh, just continue to earn Chris's trust. And, you know, sometimes at the end of the games, Brad's putting in a, a big work effort, uh, work effort. And, you know, sometimes you need a little bit of fresh legs up there to, to press or win balls in the air and work hard and hold balls up. And, and Brian takes those boxes. So, uh, he certainly has a chance of, of getting some time. And, you know, now it's just a matter of, you know, spending a little bit more time with the first team and training and hopefully the field and show as well. And obviously he's just the latest in a pretty long line of players now that are making that jump from USL to MLS and having a lot of success. What What's that feeling like for you? Is there, do you take time to kind of appreciate that, that these guys that you're in charge of developing are in fact developing and moving on and doing quite well? <laughs> it's funny. I just got an image of myself like lying back on the couch, <laughs> you know, like pondering, the, <laughs> uh, you know, where everybody is, you know, Meanwhile, I'm only been doing this gig for three and a half years. So listen, I, I, I certainly take pride in it and I love it. And, um, it, it gives me a certain level of satisfaction to see these guys and, to, you know, uh, put a lot into it and, and they put a lot into it. So, um, you know, I hope continues and certainly, um, you know, we've had a lot of good, good young men come through that have, um, you know, bought in, believed, uh, worked hard and, and have, have moved themselves up in, in, you know, in their careers and in the, in the club. And, uh, you know, Brian's the latest one and certainly he, he, uh, has a lot of potential and I could, I could see him doing some really good things. So, um, you know, we feel like we've, we've got a pretty good formula and we continue to, to uh, mess with it and <laughs> uh, try to make it better. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think some of it's a little bit of luck, a little bit of, you know, hard work and, um, and some, a little bit of an eye for, for the right people. <clears throat> and, you know, you touched on this a little bit just there. This is your your fourth year with the club. What, if anything, has changed uh, in your time there? Um, <laughs> the funny thing is probably the fact that it hasn't changed that much <laughs> is what's changed through the club. I mean, right. know, I, I started, you know, watching the club 
as a fan in 96 and then got the opportunity to be drafted in 99 and played obviously a number of years here and started coaching you know in, in that time a lot of different coaches a lot of different GMs and sporting directors and each one kind of went in different directions and it kind of I don't know definitely uh, had a, a bit of a meandering path for the club and I feel like we've we've created a bit more of a a straight line path and uh you know, a good example is when, when Jesse moves on and uh, Chris takes over, you know, I don't think anybody can point to, if you're just watching the games, you can't see the difference, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, I think that is the biggest thing. And, uh, and that might be one of the biggest things that's, you know, having us have pretty continued success. You know, obviously we haven't achieved all the goals we want, but, um, we could certainly be proud of uh, some of the things we've done over the last four years. And, um, you know, obviously we've gotten a little younger as we went and kind of learned the process and what's behind the style and all that stuff. And uh, hopefully we're getting better at it. Uh, but it's a, you know, we're trying to do it one step at a time. And I think that's going to be, um, you know, bode well for us in, in the near and, and uh, medium future. And uh, speaking to uh, Chris taking over the club, uh, you know, when there was some ambiguity of, you know, is Jesse moving on and who's going to take the reins? Obviously, your name was one of the names that people were talking about a lot because of your your resume with the the second team. Is that uh, something that you have your eye on? Is MLS, you know, the ultimate destination or a destination that you look uh, towards? Um, you know, something I've, I've thought about for sure. Uh, I'm a little bit more of a, uh, stay in the moment type guy. I mm-hmm. like handling each day as it comes. <laughs> I'm not a big goal setter type. Obviously you have to set certain goals, but I'm usually a bit, uh, more, um, specific to my responsibilities and my goals. Um, you know, obviously, uh, I, I've, you know, done a bit of, had a few different jobs at the club, so what's one more? Um, but uh, I like what I'm doing. I really enjoy it. I think I'm at it. Um, you know, not that I don't think that I can coach the first team, but I, I know I'm good at this, and I, I feel like I'm still growing at it and getting better. So, um, you know, I, I certainly am attached to this club and um, very interested in helping it improve and. and things that we set out to do as far as, uh, you know, working with the community, inspiring the fans and um, bringing home championships and all that stuff. So that's, you know, I kind of keep my head in, in that each and every day. And, um, you know, obviously I have a, had a great relationship with, with Jesse, got a great relationship with Chris. And I, I just, I see myself in, in this position for a, a little, a short, a, you know, a decent amount of time because I do enjoy uh, what I'm doing, and you know, like what we were talking about before, um, the seeing players one day and then seeing them a few days or a number of days later, and and, hope, and knowing that you had a little bit of a uh, a hand in making that difference, and then seeing them have success on a, on a big stage, that is, you know, something that I'm I really enjoy. So. Um, you know, I'm just going to keep, keep doing that as, uh, you know, for, for a good amount of time. <laughs> okay. Uh, before we let you go, so I can't put you through the lightning round cause you've done that a number of times now, but I, I conjured <laughs> up a couple of questions for Andrew last week, uh, that went over pretty well. And I'm going to subject you to those if you're ready. Okay. Okay. What would the title of your autobiography be called? Oh man, um, title of my auto. So I'm writing it. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably Wally's World. Um, I like it. You know, I don't know. I don't ever see myself writing an autobiography. <laughs> it's not me. So that's fair. Kind of like Fantasyland, that question. But um, something about Wally's World and some of my uh, uh, opinions on on uh, on life and the world in general. Fair. 
these should all be fantasy, hopefully. Uh, if you could steal <laughs> the credit for any great piece of art, so what, you know, a song, an album, a film, a book, uh, a painting, anything, any great piece of art, what uh, would you put your name on? Oh, wow. Um, it would definitely be musical. Um, I'm a, you know, a, wish I could have been a rock star for sure. So, um, what can I steal? I guess, uh, <laughs> trying to think of a good one, but it's probably maybe Led Zeppelin 4. There you go. Well, that's, okay. that's a very fair answer. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're on death row. What is your last meal? Whoa. Um, again, hoping this is fantasy. Yes, exactly. The <laughs> <laughs> um, last meal is probably, uh, you know what? It's probably one of those, uh, the tomahawk steaks and the ribeyes or whatever. There you go. Um, but maybe, uh, a big sweet potato next to it. Very nice. Very nice. Okay. <laughs> and the last one, uh, I guess you could, you could extend this to the coaches as well, but who within, uh, the New York Red Bulls two is the least funny, but thinks they're funny. Oh my gosh. Uh, that's a real world question. That's not fantasy. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, fair. But dangerous. That might get me on death row with my, my staff. <laughs> um, it's a good battle, to be honest. It's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting race. Um, we've been joking a lot about lately how the staff gets at each other on road trips and stuff, and none of them can get along swimming <laughs> together. Uh, <laughs> this is easily explainable because it pretty much happened today that, that you and Sharp got accused of not being funny. I think essentially just because he's Scottish, but, uh, <laughs> which is funny in itself. So, uh, you know, he, he is a funny guy, but he certainly thinks he's a lot funnier. <laughs> very, very nice. He's also the youngest on the staff, so it'll be the easiest to deal with. Uh, of course. If he hears this. <laughs> All right. That's excellent, John. With that, uh, we wish you the best of luck this coming, uh, well, not weekend, but tomorrow, uh, Friday night against yeah. Louisville. Great. Much appreciated. A lot of fun, as always. And when we come back, we're going to be previewing that game and talking about some other news around the USL. So stick around. back we're going to preview the match against louisville city tonight tomorrow night depending on when you're listening to this louisville uh they were the class of the league for a little while there um roaring out of the gates fc cincinnati eventually overtook them and they stumbled a little bit they've fallen down the table they are now in fourth place with a record of 10 4 and 6 they are 3 1 and 1 in their last five matches and they are 4 3 and 3 away from home they're a good team there's no uh two ways about it in that um, last five stretch, they beat Tampa Bay, Charlotte, and Ottawa. They lost to Charleston, and they drew against Indy, which we mentioned uh, at, during our ex-New York Red Bull 2 report. Cameron Lancaster, 10 goals on the season, but uh, having a little bit of trouble getting off the bench right now. Uh, Ilya Illich, he's got seven. George Davis the fourth has four. Uh, assist leaders are Oscar uh, Jimenez with six and Ilya Illich with five. James O'Connor... He's gone. He's not with his team anymore. He's with Orlando City, who is experiencing a nightmare season. Uh, hopefully, O'Connor is just, you know, sort of shepherding them through the rest of the season and then working on rebuilding that squad. Uh, we're not going to go into that too much. <laughs> but they've got John Hackworth now, former union coach, uh, was also with the USU 17s. You know, a decent a decent coach. I'm not necessarily sold on him as being the answer there, but who knows? We'll, we'll have to see at this level. Uh, even though the Red Bulls can uh, leapfrog Louisville with a win in this match into fourth place, they have, Louisville has a ton of games in hand, so you know, don't get too excited about it right yet. Last time out, these two teams uh, drew 3-3. The Red Bulls were leading 3-2. to uh, At basically the end of the match, they give up a, uh, a poor set piece goal. 
Uh, Jordan Scarlett, I think. Uh, oh, no, no, it wasn't set piece. It was in the run of play. Jordan Scarlett can't keep up with his man uh, near post header, and uh, Louisville is able to snatch a point back. Uh, you know, this is not a bad team. They Yes, they've had some issues uh, with basically the same squad as their championship squad from last season. But, uh, you know, I think in terms of the way that the Red Bulls line up against them, they match up really well. And, you know, barring some of the catastrophes in that first match, the Red Bulls, this is a very winnable game, even though it's against a top team. I I agree. I mean, uh, outside of, you know, well, the mistake on the third goal, Lancaster's beautiful uh, first goal from the halfway line, um, that was a game where they controlled most of the game. I mean, especially in the second half, that midfield really stepped up. They dictated the game and they were able to um, get back in it. Tom Barlow, you know, scores a goal, draws a penalty uh, after coming off the bench. So, I mean, they, it's not like, it's very deceiving that scoreline because it really wasn't Louisville who controlled most of the game. It was um, Red Bulls too. So them coming there now without James O'Connor, who knows, who knows John Mulhud, John Molniak's going to set up and knows them so well. Um, I think the game shifts in, to Rebel 2's favor, mainly because they're at home. They've come out and they've just beaten the best of the best at home this year outside of that loss to Cincinnati where you can argue that they probably should have beaten them as well. Um, so I, the only thing is, is you know, they're just going to have to be disciplined defensively because this team, they're a very, even without O'Connor, they're still a very good team. They know how to catch you. They, you know, they Illich is, um, is a solid striker at distributing the ball and getting the ball out wide. Um, and I know that's where uh, they struggle. Uh, Red Bull Two struggles in defending is they def- you know struggle defending players out wide and then getting you know whenever the because of the press they you know they get the ball out wide and they just struggle defending out there. So basically, you know, this team is it's not going to be an easy game, but I feel like this is a type of game that Red Bulls Two should win. All right, let's talk about lineups, which I don't think we've done a single time this year in terms of trying to <laughs> guess who's going to be out there because, you know, it, it's often quite difficult. Yeah. Uh, but there's a couple of spots that I think are, are worth mentioning. First, it's on the wing. I think Jared Stroud is pretty much an automatic starter. But with uh, Amando Moreno hurt, uh, Ben Mines is working his way back into fitness. Mm-hmm. Right. Is he the guy who starts out there? Is Brian White going to be with the club tomorrow? Uh, and if so, are they going to play him out wide and have uh, Tom Barlow up top? Or do you go with Aginagi again, who had a very, very good first half against uh, Penn FC? Um, I would go. Uh, this is tough because I don't know if because it, it's tough. If, if White's there tomorrow, I'd still start Brian out there. Um, but I would go with Ben Mines just because um, I think even last game when he came on, he's starting to show that he's healthy. Um, he was very unlucky to not grab a goal late in that game. He's, you know, I thought he combined well with Alan Giannis on the on on the right hand side when he came on for Aguinaga. Um, so I I wouldn't mind, you know, again if White's not there, uh, Mines or Aguinaga is fine with me. I thought Aguinaga had a good first half, but um, I think Ben Mines gives them that little bit more as far as an attacking quality. Yeah, definitely in terms of width too, because I think Aguinaga played as sort of a a central midfielder who was out wide as opposed to a wide player. But I, he, I, you know, I looked at you at the start of the game and thought, Oh boy, here we go. Uh, but he, I thought he did an adequate job out there. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He, he grabbed an assist too. So, I mean, yep. Yep. Uh, a very nice, uh, assist. I might yes. add. Um, also, you know, you just touched on him a little bit. Alan Giannis, uh, is this the time that we're going to start seeing him more regularly in the lineup? And, uh, if he's coming in, is he going to play on the right or the left? And who is he replacing? So would I, I don't know. Do you keep Nico coming out? Because he's been doing pretty well of late. Uh, uh, or is Ethan Cutler coming off the field if Ethan's there? Yeah, if it, again, it all depends if Ethan's there. Um, I think they're trying to gradually put build, um, you know, get Giannis familiar with the squad. But, I mean, I thought, again, he came on last game, thought he had a good cameo again, a little, little bit longer than the one he had in Tampa. Uh, but I wouldn't take Nico off. I think he offers. A, um, I think he's been actually his positionings and starting to improve defensively. Um, plus, you know, he he can deal with um, Louisville's pace down the left hand side. So I would probably start if they're going to start Giannis. I'd start him on the right again. I also think it also it, again it also depends on if Cutler's there. If Cutler's there, I think he's going to start. But um, if he's not, I'd give Giannis a start. Okay. Um, and then the last position 
uh, to talk about is Christian Caceres in the middle. He was hurt and couldn't play last week. Uh, we know it's, it's some kind of foot injury. We have no idea about timeline. Um, but if he's not able to go, who do you start there? Is it Echeverria? Yeah, I think um, – I mean – before the uh, before he was injured, I thought Echeverria had a good start to the season, and um, he doesn't really offer as much as uh, Christian does as far as uh, his technical ability or you know his ability to um, to pass the ball really well. Um, but I, I think he I, I think him and uh, Chris Lima did a good job last game. Um, you've got that playmaker, that deep lying playmaker in Lima, and you could just put Echeverria, who you know is going to be. Um, a rock solid, you know, guy next to him, and then you've got Tenari in front of him. So, I mean, I think starting at Javeri would be a good idea. Okay, uh, and I guess now we're up to the predictions. What what's going to be the score um, of this game? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go three two Red Bulls two. Okay, I think that's a pretty strong guess. I feel like uh, maybe I'm just I'm shooting for the moon here, but I feel like. They're going to be able to hold off Louisville a little bit better than last time. Um, and because they're at home, I'm going to give it a 3-1 win. Now, that, uh, obviously, that's predicated on <laughs> who's in the lineup, but well, I, I feel confident. I was I was fully expecting you to pick a draw. but Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've, you've kind of... It's in my character, like, yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, I, I don't want to just disagree to disagree, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that's very much me. <laughs> okay, let's talk about some stuff around the USL. Uh, we'll touch on these things very quickly. First, uh, Orange County SC and Phoenix. This is a very, very important match this coming weekend. Uh, Phoenix is coming off of a big win. Orange County is kind of struggling a little bit uh, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, results obviously not as easy to come by as the season rolls on, especially through the very, very hot summer months. But they're still up there. Uh, they've got 41 points. They are absolutely one of the top teams in the West. Uh, and Phoenix has been trying to make that claim that they are. They've got the results against teams at the bottom, but they, they struggle against the teams at the top. Uh, is this like a do-or-die match in terms of what we can expect uh, from Phoenix in the postseason uh, if they can't beat one of these top teams? Well, the thing is, they've fared well against um, OCSC this season so far. I believe, um, I believe they have a win and a draw against them, or I think it's win and a draw or uh, two wins against them, which you wouldn't really expect because they really haven't. It's a win and a draw. I'm sorry, win and a draw against them. Um, so you really wouldn't expect them to play well, like you said. They haven't really done well against the top teams, but um, Chris Cortez, you know getting in form right before they have to play this team it happens to be his former team is uh is a big plus uh but they're at home they're right in front of their home crowd where they want to be um you know they train in this type of atmosphere where it's really really hot so this is again this is a big game for them uh i believe it's this is actually uh, makes it uh whoever wins this game actually has in second place in the west yes. right Yes, and Phoenix um, has a game in hand on Orange County, so it would be very big for them to win this match. Yeah, so, I mean, this is, you know, they Phoenix has really done a good job of beating the, these lesser teams, but, I mean, if they want to make a case that, hey, you know, we're the best team in the West, this is the type of game you have to win. So, I mean, I want to, part of me wants to say that they're going to win this game, but I'm not sure. It's, it's going to be a very good game to watch, probably the game of the weekend for sure. Fair. Um, okay, let's talk FC Cincinnati. They are leading the Eastern Conference. They've got 45 points. Uh, below them, it's Pittsburgh. They've got a game in hand, and they're five points back. Uh, and Charles Battery, who uh, has played one more game than, than Cincinnati, uh, and is also five points back. And then, you know, things kind of level out underneath that. Do you think Cincinnati stays on top? Uh, you know, we were talking about their player acquisitions over the last couple of weeks, that should push them, you know, from a championship uh, contender to a team really uh, favored to win both of uh, the the supporter shield or the USL equivalent uh, and uh, the USL Cup. Or are those moves going to kind of um, break up the chemistry of the team? Uh, I think they're going to stay on top. I think they're they've done everything right this year. Yeah, they've had a couple slip ups along the way, but. Um, Pittsburgh really hasn't looked great over the last um, the last few weeks. 
Uh, they've dropped some games where, I mean, you know, they were more than favored to win. Uh, but I think, like you said, those acquisitions for Cincinnati just put them over the top. I mean, yeah, is it going to be? Is it going to take a little bit to work them into the squad? Probably, but I mean, they've got more than enough anyway. I think they're just a good team. I mean, you know, you've got you know Ledesma up top, who's been great for them this year. Uh, at the back, they really haven't given up too many goals either. Um, so I, I just think they're going to see this one. They're going to end up. They're going to go uh, and probably win the uh, Supporter Shield or the equivalent on USL. Um, I just think they're too good of a team right now. Okay, fair. Uh, the last five matches for them, the they are three zero and two with draws, uh, both against Nashville. So, so Nashville's <laughs> got their number. Who knows what's going on there? Uh, okay, what else do we want to talk about? Fabian Serda, the goalkeeper for Tulsa this past huh. weekend. Uh, OKC Tulsa in-state rivalry. The opening goal of this match, Fabian Serda has the ball at his feet tries to uh, <laughs> outsmart the defender with some footwork, foolishly coughs up the ball outside of the box, easy finish for OKC. They go on to take the lead. Does Is this is this Tulsa season in a nutshell right here? I mean, they have consistently shot themselves in the foot, and <laughs> this seems to be maybe the most egregious example of that. Pretty much sums it up. I mean, I don't know what... I mean, I get it, you know... You're trying to show off, but when you've won one game all season, probably not best you do that, um, especially against, you know, uh, a, a team like OKC, you know, who's – they're in state rivals, I believe. I, be, I believe so. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. But, uh, yeah, it's just – I mean, you've won one game all year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, have they shown their, their a fight with 10 draws? But, I mean, uh, I, I just uh, – that was probably one of the most – the the sh- probably the poorest goal I've seen all all year. Like poorest <laughs> example, just 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 a bad play. I mean, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around what he was exactly thinking. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> all right. Last but not least, USL put up an awesome article about the New York Red Bulls two at home. Uh, if you don't, or or if you haven't already seen it, uh, the article is called Seven Numbers That Highlight New York Red Bulls 2's Home Excellence," written by uh, our friend Nick Murray. Uh, so I'm going to run down those numbers for you here. 37, that first one, goals at home for the New York Rebels, too. Uh, no other club is within 10 goals of that number. They are destroying teams at home. <laughs> yes, they had that one big slip-up against Ottawa and then the loss to FC Cincinnati, but otherwise they have been so good. How good that 37 goals is good enough for a goal every 29.19 minutes. That's an unreal strike rate. Three goals at home per match uh, is what that translates to. That's fantastic. You really couldn't ask for anything more. And if you watch them at home, you you see all of these things happening, which is why the road matches are are such head scratchers, because they're so good at home. Uh, At home, (laughs) they have taken 261 shots. That's 21.75 shots per game at home. 16 teams uh that's more than 16 teams have total in that category so far this season 16 teams against uh, you know home and away have less shots than the red bulls have at home unreal uh 162 that's uh the number of chances created from open play andrew tenari obviously the leader there but uh, a lot of other uh, players joining in the fun um 1,297, that's another area that Andrew Tenari leads. That's passes completed. Unreal. Uh, In the opposition's end. Uh, 1,297 passes. Woo! I I, I can't even actually fathom. Like, I actually have to go back. I want to know, like, how many they've done. Like, well, obviously, I I could do it per game. But, like, I want to know, like, what's the most they've actually done in a game out of that statistic. Like, it's got to be fun to find out. Yeah. Um, 44, that's the number of big chances created. Uh, again, no one in the league is, is touching them. Uh, in, that, in that spot, for the most part, there's five other teams that have recorded more chances uh, at home, but uh, they're just they're doing a really good job. And six, uh, 
that's how many instances this season where the side has recorded at least four goals in a game at home. Six times. Why why do we have to ask fans to come out to these matches? They're scoring goals in buckets and kicking uh uh but <laughs> and 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 they do it on dollar hot dog nights. So on dollar the... hot dog night. It's Friday yeah. night. Come out yeah. guys. Of course, I should say that I am not going to be there tomorrow. I said on Seeing Red last <laughs> night I would be on my daughter's birthdays this weekend. Yeah. She always seems to have a birthday around a home match. So thanks a lot, Lizzie. Uh, but uh, I will be setting up her birthday party, so I will not be there. But you guys really should be coming out. There's no excuse. Dollar the hot Ram- dogs and, and, and four goals every almost every other game. Dollar hot dogs, four goals. The Rampage needs some people to sing in their section. Uh, the Red Bulls, too, just deserve fans to be playing in front of. It's It's insane. That that's even really uh, an argument that needs to be made. But uh, guys who you are very fond of, like Tyler Adams and Sean Davis and uh, Ryan Mira and Florian Velo and Aaron Long, for for Pete's sake, they all got their start at Red Bull 2, guys. You really should be watching this team. There's a lot of talented players. You might might catch the next. You might catch the next uh, big star. That's exactly right. And you You could be like, I saw him when he was playing at Montclair State University. Yep, and shaking his hand after the match if you want. Yeah. Players are really awesome about coming up and signing stuff and just being very personable. So come on out, guys. Or else. I, I don't have anything good to threaten <laughs> you with, but you should. <laughs> well, we'll that, told you. That's, that's what we'll do. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. That brings us to the end of our show. Uh, if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, you could follow me at underscore Joe Goldstein. I am at jstein 15 and if you'd like to follow the show, and we hope you do, we are at Raising Bull Cast. That's one bull, Raising Bull Cast. And of course, that's all on Twitter. You can find us at Facebook.com slash Raising Bulls. You can go to RaisingBulls.com, where we post each and every episode. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. And now, finally, Spotify. That was a chess. Yes, we made roll. it. Yeah, we finally did it. We're up on Spotify, guys. <laughs> Uh, it turns out yeah, it was a woo. very easy process to get on there that I uh, didn't know that I had to be involved in, and <laughs> <laughs> I updated it, and now we're on there. <laughs> you know now. That's all That's all that counts. Find us on these places. Rate us. Review us. It does help. It helps uh, people find our show, and it really means everything to us. And we love you guys, and hopefully you at least like us a little bit back. Uh, hashtag Brissette out. You can find us on BGN.FM. That's the Beautiful Game Network. They've got amazing shows there like the USL Show, Mongols, Pittsburgh's Scholastic Soccer Show, The Unused Substitute, St. Louis Soccer Report, Backchat, Tornado Alley, and even Last Word SC uh, uh, for Last Word Soccer. I used to be on that show sometimes. I'm Sometimes I'm still on that show uh, as, a, <laughs> as a guest. But you should give all of these a listen. You can do that at BGN.FM. Last but not least, we want to thank our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier of MLS, USL, and U.S. soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. And I said last but not least, but I should also add, uh, if you have not uh, taken a gander at, at Red Bull's news network at rbnn.us, uh, you really should get over there. You could read stuff from Joe Steen. Uh, myself, Anthony Merced is even writing stuff uh, about the global game. You should read it. He's he, killing it. He's killing it. He's he's, he's diving it. in. He might even be making an announcement about something special happening with that coming soon, which I'm not going to spoil for him. Uh, <laughs> but get he over there. He's got to do it in his own unique way. That's why. Yeah, exactly. He's going to come out like a wrestler in a uh, unitard. I'm saying too much. Uh, <laughs> but you really should uh, get over there, read some stuff. Uh, we will have tons of Red Bulls 2 uh, news and, and information every week, so make sure to head there. Anyway, for myself, Joe Steen and Mr. John Wolinek, thank you very much and have a good night. Ooh, silent, no claps. Um, <laughs> I'm watching, I'm watching. Uh,